Amen. Thank you guys for being here. Um, I don't know if there's anybody, anybody in this church more appreciated this morning than Ruth. She made the coffee, right? There are people clinging to cups of coffee this morning. It's just, yeah, just not, not exactly a full move of the spirit, but it's, it's very much appreciated. Uh, we are in a store, we're in a series called Goals right now, and um, last week we introduced what is, uh, and, I, and I think I called this week part two. That was probably a mistake um, because uh, it, it made it sound like this would be the only follow-up uh, to what we talked about last week. So if you did not get a chance to hear um, where we were in God's Word and, and what He really spoke to us about last week, really want to encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Um, it's, it's part of our goal series, and we introduced this idea of risk. Um, and the argument was risk exists everywhere. Like it, to, to avoid and eliminate risk is, is really an impossibility. And, and it shows up in so many places, and, and many times unexpected. Like you get in a situation, you didn't realize how risky the situation you were in was going to be. Yesterday, um, earlier in the week, um, our student pastor, Ethan, had sent me a text and said, hey, he said, I know your, your two of your sons are signed up for the middle school activity um, on Saturday. We've got some room. Would love to have you hang out with us. So I thought, awesome. Okay, you know, Saturday afternoon, they're doing a breakout room. Sounds like a fun activity. Get, you know, hang around some of our middle school students. Um, so I go have a blast at this breakout place. Um, a lot of fun. Um, but the plan was on the way back to stop and eat. Now, where we were going to stop and eat, my middle son, who um, has this whey allergy, he couldn't eat there. So I go and get food for him after I drop my crew off, and then I, then I come I back, back over to where they're at, and I walk into this fine establishment by myself. Um, I don't, we don't promote restaurants here. We don't want to, like, really tear anybody down. So let's just call it BB's Pizza, okay? <laughs> um, I walk in to this upscale Italian establishment, and you ever, have y'all had experiences over the last maybe like year that even though you're like, okay, you know, we've made it through pretty healthy with this whole COVID thing, all of a sudden you have moments where you realize COVID may have changed me forever. I, I felt that when I walked into BB's Pizza. It's not really BB's Pizza. Hopefully you know what I'm talking about. So I, I walk in and I see everything sneezing on buffet lines and spatulas swapping hands and People like drinking out of a fountain. I mean, they weren't doing that, literally. But like, I had this flashback to when I was a child, and I was like, this must be the equivalent of jumping into the ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese, like open-mouthed, right? Like just, like just with, with like a cut on your leg. Like I, at this moment, I was like, I don't know that I've ever been in a riskier situation than just being where I am. And, 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 and I still ate. I, I'm, there's, there's still, I guess, that much just youth pastor or guy in me that I, I, I just I went ahead and had a meal but um it risk does kind of jump up sometimes and and kind of catch us off guard um what what we're going to talk about today um may not be the sermon that you were thinking of when we walked in the door um, but I think really quickly when we go into this passage in James chapter 5 you're, you're going to kind of get that sense that it's like almost real fast Ooh, I, I, I kind of feel the risk in this now what we're going to be talking about has really two main perspectives. We're going to be talking about what does it really look like for us to open our lives in a scenario where we confess and we share the news of a sin in our life or sins in our life with others or another. 
And then what does it look like for that person then to minister into our life? And what's the significance and what's the responsibility of that person? Now, in this passage, I want to tell you really at the offset, um, there's some requirements that really come with someone that would be willing to, to open up and say that there, there is a sin that I'm, I'm practicing regularly or there's something I'm really struggling with here. And, and, and there's a great responsibility there when it comes to just that person is responsible to be open, to be convicted, and really be repentant, to, to be ready to change, to be ready to return. Because this isn't about just, this isn't about sharing gossip, right? Because if, if we're gonna if we're gonna be a if we're gonna be a family of God together, we're gonna function well and healthy together, then growing is an aspect of that. And and there's an unhealthy version of what we'll read about today. Um, there's the weight of risk in what we're gonna read about today. Um, and we're going, we're going to talk, just, we're going to kind of just make sure that we're all clear on what the risk is and kind of what we all think, um, but really hopefully see what God um, has, has in store for us in this passage. So let's, let's jump into James chapter 5, and we'll read here. Um, we're going to start in verse 16. We're going to start there. What proceeds in this section that we're in is, is really some great insight into the effectiveness of faithful Prayer and faithful prayer comes out of a faithful heart. A faithful heart lives in a faithful Christian. Okay, so this passage is really honed into um, identifying in your life the people who are spiritually mature enough to to be able to be used by God in your life. Now, um, I, I will tell you this: um, that that is a that that's really important, um, and 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 it's tough because when when we're in sin then there means there exists a separation to some degree between us and God. It may, we may just feel separated. Uh, we may just really be walking away from him. We may not be really regularly seeking him. But, but there is some degree of separation. So to be open with our life also takes the responsibility of, I, this isn't just about talking to who is comfortable to talk to. Uh, this is not just about seeking someone who's been a friend for years. This is, this is about finding the kind of person that God, in, in, a, in a heart that's, God, I don't want to stay like this being led to someone who can, in a spiritual mature way, handle this and, and walk with someone, okay? So within this passage, that's how it's set up. And then we find this in verse 16. And, and what's said here in verse 16, this isn't, um, this, is, this is probably the most clearly this is said in Scripture in all the Bible. I'm battling like reading glasses, an earpiece. Ethan wore this last week, our student pastor. I think he was mad because I said something about his beard. So he jacked up my earpiece all weird. So this thing just falls off. I'll pick it up. Don't worry. Um, so this is what it says, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. So, so what is the goal? What is the goal when we process through? Why would I confess something that is likely extremely private in my life even though it, even though it's a sin and I realize that in that privacy there's guilt why would I even do that well we, we scripture doesn't um, argue that we have an option of confess our sin to God or not if we want forgiveness if we want a right relationship with God then, then we're called to confess to him that and, and and good news is he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so there is a work that God will do in our life However, many times we find ourselves in this place. We're, we're a Christian. We, we, we've confessed Christ. We're, we're committed to the Lord. 
but we struggle in a sin, especially a sin that becomes our way, our practice, our regular. And, and what we realize is, is even though we realize that Jesus is Lord and, and we, we know what we shouldn't do and, and we know what we should do, we, we, we find great difficulty in just stopping and it really ending. And, and there being a moment where there's, there's death to that sin and then there's, there's life as we walk with Christ. So are, are we to seek, if there's a private sinner, are we, are we trying to seek forgiveness from someone? Maybe that would be disappointed in us? No. The, the, the key, the aim of this is we're, we're looking for a healing that God can do and everything remaining private is just not working. It's just not. And, and, and through this passage, what, what's so amazing is the writing of James here does not deny all that God can do. It just affirms that God is going to accomplish, God's going to accomplish his work, not just one-on-one between me and him, but he's also going to use a lot of other means to get that done. Um, I remember, and I don't remember even who taught, I don't know if it was something that I was um, studying in seminary, I don't know if it was just a lesson when I was a teenager or a sermon that I heard somewhere, I just, I just remember attached to this lesson the idea of, um, of catching a fish. And, and, and the, the way the story went was this, uh, how, how does that fish get caught? Where is the ultimate responsibility? Is it on the hook, the line, the reel, the fisherman, uh, the employer that gave the day off so that person could go fishing? Like, how does the fish really get caught? And it's really, it's a, it's a summation. It's, it's all the means that are being used for that fish to get caught. Now, I, I, I know that that's probably not a perfect example, but it does kind of paint a little bit of a picture of how significant my openness about my own sin and someone else's investment into me is when it comes to finding a healing, a work that God is already up to that someone else can live in rhythm with so that that sin doesn't continue to have its effect on our life. Because many times, I know in my, in my life in different seasons, I have been desperate and I have done a pretty effectful, effective job of convincing myself that the sin that I was in was really not having an effect on me. Like everything else is, 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 is fine and good and manageable. Everything's okay when really we're ignoring the effect. And, and here's the big risk, right? I'm just going, I mean, look, think, I mean, let's just be honest about it this morning. What, what, is the, what is the risk in confessing immediately? Man, what is this person going to think about me? Worse, maybe, what are they going to, what are they going to say and retell about me? Again, that's why there is, and, 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 and based on word count, there's more investment in this passage on the, on, on the shoulders of the person that is, that is hearing the confession and, and helping with the confession, being used by God. There, there's a lot of verbiage in there about them because that's a real risk for all of us when it comes to confessing something out of our life. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm not going to ask you to point because it might be the person that's sitting beside you, right? But, but you may have experienced frustration or hurt over this kind of thing. Maybe you opened up about something at some point, and more was said about you than even said to you. Maybe you deal with the looks of people from the past because of something that your heart wanted 
you wanted it gone out of your life. You were convicted over it. And there's people that show evidence that they still hold that against you. I can tell you this, if they profess Christ, that's not the person that this passage is talking about. Which means, I can't tell you that the risk isn't that there will be people who won't act like Jesus. I'm just saying that this passage instructs us that they're not supposed to be the closest circle around us. After this passage, I, I, wanna, I do want to go to one other passage before we keep going on here. Because we're, we're, this is just really a few verses here in James chapter 5. This, this, this confession, this sharing of, of a sin out of our life. Um, this is a significant thing. And, and Paul writes about this in Galatians 6. And I'm just going to read a couple of these verses. Actually, I may read uh, that, the two verses I think are all I put in the computer. Um, so I may read another verse after that. It, it may not be up there. Um, Paul uses the same language that we're getting ready to hear, read again in James. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing. Now, now this is really aimed at not just the person that's, that's confessing. This is, this is some good wisdom to set us on track on thinking about who it is. Now, who are we looking for? I mean, really, we're like one verse and, okay, I need to confess. What's really the most pertinent question that comes after that? Really, who, who am I looking for? Because if that's what our heart is ready for, we realize that we need more help than we can provide ourselves. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you are you who are spiritual. Notice it eliminates another part of the crowd. If you're not spiritual, if you're not spirit-led, not talking to you. There's people that are really ready to do business with the Lord that don't have time for you. And you don't have the ability they need to be good for them. It says, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Now, there's a lot of wisdom in that verse. The word restore in that verse is used culturally in, 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 in writings that happen at the same time very often when it's talking about uh, doing a repair to a broken bone. And if you think about it, if somebody has a broken bone, what has to happen, okay? Because this one word restore, it represents the whole process. Everything from taking the x-ray, identifying the problem, realizing what has to be done immediately to correct it the best you can. Is more work needed? Does this need to go into deep surgery? Getting it to where it's, it's in better shape, but then not putting full weight on that bone, but giving it time to heal so that eventually that, that wound can not just be a wound, but it can be released for that body part to be used in full purpose. Now, will that bone carry evidence that it was broken? Yes, but that doesn't mean that it's destined to be broken forever so what's the purpose in restoration just boom get him out there quick now try that try that with an injury especially after you cross a certain age in life give it a shot hit your big toe on something and then just go try to run a mile you you'll cry right like we you, there has to be the process that leads to restoration that lead, we, we think restoration we're just thinking end product it's every step along the way and that's the idea of someone that needs to share something with someone that's spirit-led. Now, we also have great wisdom about the person who they're going to be sharing with. It says that, that you have to have a gentle spirit. You have to be able to receive that and have compassion on them. 
Now, um, gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. Which means, by default, this, this is God's word confirming itself. That, that if we, we have a gentle spirit, we are prepared to be able to handle this kind of thing into somebody's life. It also says that we are, um, we're supposed to watch out for ourselves so that we also won't be tempted. Um, it, sometimes, sometimes, it takes great spiritual wisdom for you or I to, to, to talk to someone and to hear about something they're struggling with and pause and almost stop the conversation to realize, okay, um, I myself may carry the same temptation. It may be their habitual sin, but it may be a great temptation for me. If I, if, if the more I talk over this, the more I dwell over this, I may struggle myself. That's the spiritual maturity that says, hey, listen, we need, to, we, need to, we need to broaden this circle a little bit. We need to make sure that, that, it, that if somebody's struggling, we don't fall into sin and temptation. If, if in conversation with somebody that, that's really ready to confess, if, if we find ourselves as Christians tempted a day or two later to, to bring that up in a conversation with someone else, that gossiping is a sin ourselves. We're, we're in t- okay, so I, I, need to, I, need to, I need to change something about me because why? Is, is this ministry about the person that's, that's helping? No, the ministry is about the person that's in need. And our spiritual responsibility is, 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 is to be prepared for them because consider again the risk that they're, they're, that they're experiencing as they try to walk in faithfulness, which is what we talked about our goal being. So to be a people that are ready to walk in rhythm with that person, in in, in rhythm with the Lord. Um, It also says this, um, to carry one another's burdens in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Christ said to love others as I have loved you. So to be able to do that well, we have to be able to carry burdens. Now, there's two Greek words that are used for burden in this passage. The first one is translated burden, burden. that's, that's, that's heavy load, like that's bolder, okay? Now, if you get down in here, read a couple more verses down, it also says that everyone is also supposed to carry their own load. Now, it's almost, you read that passage, it's like, okay, well, which is it? Am I supposed to share something, or am I supposed to help someone, or am I supposed to just carry my own stuff? Yes. But the difference is, the Greek word used first is, is baros. That is, that is big, bolder, heavy weight, too much for me. The other word is a Greek word, I think it's, um, and I'm, I'm going off memory because I studied this, this has been days ago, and I remember I've, I've, had, a, I've had a rough pizza experience in between. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's Phocian, which is, is translated, it's the word that they would have used for um, the, the, the bag that a man would have carried traveling, walking back and forth, or a woman would have carried walking back and forth between cities. A, a day pack, right? So if you think about, okay, the backpack that you throw some stuff in to take a hike or something with, that you, you pack that based on what you know you can carry. Now, so what, what's, what's really helpful for us to remind ourselves in this? Um, there are two different kinds of, of burdens of loads, one that is too much for me, one that is manageable in the, in the strength that I walk in in Jesus. I can make suggestions to you about which you may be dealing with. You can make suggestions to me about which I may be dealing with. But ultimately, the, the wisdom that the Lord is going to provide us is he's going to show us the difference. Now, I know what you're thinking. Man, I've dealt with some people who call, call a day pack a boulder. I get it. I get it. And, and we need to be gentle with those folks because, again, you, you've walked with the Lord long enough 
your day pack can be pretty big. And someone else might not be able to carry that. Okay? So, so this, is the, this is the measured difference of what we're talking about. But, but the picture that's painted is, is that when someone is there to confess, when, when something has become their ways, when there has not, that maybe there's been forgiveness from that sin in the past, but, but there's a work that the Lord needs to do and wants to use the means of people to do it, to bring real healing, that that is bigger than what they can carry. So, so here's the other side of that. And, and here's where I look back at my life and I realize I've let people down before, that, that I haven't stayed close enough at times to continue to, be the, continue to be the support of that. And that's convicting when you realize that you haven't been there. But also consider this verse 2 as well. Verse 3 in this passage. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. It says, let each person examine his own work that he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself to someone else. For each person will have to carry their own load. That, that, that scripture just tells us um, you know, one of the biggest enemies, one of the biggest enemies to us being um, really usable in the life of someone else, pride, pride. When, when we go to somebody and want to talk about the, what they've done to us, but not really looking at them, to, uh, why, why may have you have done that? What, what may be going on? Why, if, if, if we come at someone with just me, this, that's risk, right? Like the risk is that we will, we, we will entertain all kinds of people in our walk with the Lord. But if we think, okay, I've got this. I'm good. Like I don't need help. That's a risk. Are you? Or am I? Am I strong enough to manage this struggle, this temptation that I'm in the middle of? I mean, all those things are so, so risky. Let's go back to James. Let's go back to James. Um, James, where we left off was just right there after um, verse 16. Um, then he, he kind of seems to jump track a little bit. Um, this is what he starts talking about, verse 17. Elijah, well, hang on a second. we're in the New Testament. You just jumped Old Testament on us. First Kings chapter 17 and 18. Let's bring up the story about Elijah. Says, Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. It's like, James, were you, did you need to get, like, you ever wrote an essay, and you were like, I need like a thousand words, and I'm like 16 short, so you just throw a sentence in that doesn't even really make sense. Like, is this what you were doing, James? Was this like a homework assignment? Like, you just pulled a random story thinking, okay, well, we'll just go along with it. Remember, James is making this connection through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He's making this connection of there are people that need to confess sin, and then there are people that need to be ready for that to minister into their lives. So he, he uses Elijah as a connecting example. And here's what's really helpful to know about the story of Elijah, of what he's talking about. Elijah did pray that there would be no rain, and it stopped raining. Elijah then did later pray that it would rain and it began again. But here's what's super critical to know. God had already spoken to Elijah about what he was going to do. He had already told Elijah where he wanted to go to be able to survive this time. He told Elijah before he was ready to open up the skies again, he's like, I'm ready to send rain again. And he told him to, to, to communicate to other people, to prepare for that. So did Elijah pray to the Lord about those things and see great miracles, great, great things done? Yes. However, he was 
he wasn't just working on his own. We don't look at Elijah and go, man, you were awesome, dude. Like, you're a hero. You just did all this on your own. Like, you just prayed some amazing prayers, and God just seemed to obey you. No, he was obeying God because he was, he was praying in rhythm about what God had already said. Okay? So if, if you're at a place right now, and, and you're kind of in your mind thinking, you know what? That there's something that I keep going back to. There's something that needs to be out of my life. What kind of person are you looking for? The kind of person that acts, speaks, and lives in rhythm to what God has already said. That's huge. Because anybody can pray for you. But are they praying God's word because they already know the truth about what God's going to be up to? And this is why I say, sometimes our friend group, I don't mean to be offensive, but if our friend group is just like us and we're struggling, they may not be spiritually strong enough to be this person for us. We may have to go outside that circle to get, remember the word, healing. If you walk up to me and you got a busted leg and you're like, man, I need you to make this better, I can pray for you. I can high-five you, but you know the best thing I can do? Drive your tail to a doctor that can do more than I can do. You follow me? Like this, like it, I mean, because what, what are we dealing with? Are we dealing with just, like, I need to be better? No, I need to, I need to have sin gone. Now, last couple of verses, and this is really going to kind of anchor into the, the risk of, the risk of, ministry into someone's life that you realize are struggling they're coming to you they're talking about they're struggling Um, verse 19 says my brothers and sisters if any among you strays from the truth see that's where it starts um regardless of what culture will try to shape us into or shape our kids into in a new generation um there is truth it exists and, and that truth is what we base our lives off of. If, if, if truth goes completely into relative structure and it can change on a dime, then we're all going to live the rest of our lives in a mental ward. Like we got to have something as people to anchor into. And, and, and the truth is the, is the measuring stick. Now, notice this. If you notice that someone has, 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 has strayed from who you thought they ought to be? No. Because you, you could take a poll of this room about what does a Christian look like. You get a lot of different ideas. You get a lot of different statements. We're not operating on our opinion on what we think someone ought to do. We're, we're talking about is there evidence that they have strayed from the truth of God's word? If, do they profess? Now, when he says brothers or sisters here, James is addressing people that are considering themselves Christian. Does he know that they're all truly Christians? Nope. John writes it this way. He says, listen, um, in 1 John, he says, there are some that, that, that they, they were among us and then they left and they have no desire to come back. And, and, and John kind of looks at that and goes, they profess Christ, but they, didn't, they, they, they really didn't belong to Christ. There's not evidence of that. Jesus says in Matthew, um, there will be some that say, Lord, Lord, but he'll say, I, I, I never knew you. So when he says brothers or sisters, if somebody professes to be a Christian, work off that, operate with them on that level. Don't don't try to pick apart somebody's Christianity and just assume that they don't belong to Jesus. If they profess Jesus, 
work with them as they do belong to him. That's the, that's the safest approach. Because even if they don't really belong to Christ, the, the word of God, the truth of God's word will be a light into their life to show them evidence of that. Ultimately, we aren't up to decide who they belong to. Um, this, this falls down. It says, um, if they stray from the truth and someone turns him back. Okay, so there's, there's clearly a work that someone else is up to here. The, the, the Lord is working through them. We have to be careful that we don't say that we're the ones doing this. Verse 20, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, when, when we look at this, there's a, there's a few things that are really important. Um, number one, um, error of their way. That, that's, a, that's another way of saying sin. In other words, someone has, has formed a pattern in their life that, that's opposite of the truth of God. Now, in that set of decisions, th- there's a lot of errors. What's the main error? The main error is that that, that that person has, in some specific way, stopped submitting to Jesus as Lord. So we've got we've to rebuild that person towards that set of decisions with the word restore in mind, that there's a process to that. But again, ultimately, what's, what's, the, what's the outcome? It says that, that someone would be turned from death. Now, in this passage, there, there's some folks that will tell you that this deals with people who truly aren't saved, and that death is that eternal separation from God. And then some interpret this and say that that death is, is representative of the death that exists when we have sin and, and we're separated from God. I'll, I'll tell you this, the, the, the logic applies to both. Death is actually death and separation in both cases. And in both cases, as this says, that, 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 that the ministry that you can do into someone's life and, and having this confession and this openness can, can avoid what it says is a, a multitude of additional sin. Many times we can look at someone and say, okay, something needs to be done right now. But oftentimes we don't, if you want to really have a check of, 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 of what's, the, what's my heart like, is my heart compassionate enough towards this person? That's when that question comes up in my mind of this. When I look at them and go, hey, if, if I get involved in your life right now, just like I just need to consider all that God could maybe use me for that, that you could live close to him and, and you wouldn't have to go through. Sometimes we just look at how, how far someone is from the Lord, but, but, but just consider in turning to Christ all that, they would, all that they would escape for a lifetime of a sin struggle. You know what, there's, there's still risk in that ministry. There's still risk in being someone who, who, is, who is spiritually mature enough to be available for that. The, the risk is, is that somebody doesn't, in fact, turn their life back to Christ. The risk is, is that they could, they could demand your time and need time and, and you be aware that this is not even a, a, a healthy exchange for them. The, the risk is, is that, that, that you might have to have a conversation with somebody that is extremely difficult or you may, need to, you may now know something that you have to keep spiritually disciplined in your own minds that when you look at that person, that thing and that news does not affect the way you treat them. That's a risk. You know how easy it is? I mean, think about it. Just knowing something about somebody, how tempting is it to know that thing and then treat them the way you do or the way I do based on that knowledge? Isn't that tempting? Yeah. Incredibly tempting. 
And so this spiritual maturity, again, what, what, is this, what, is, what does this seem to be screaming out to us? The person that is that spiritually mature, if their pride says, I'm strong enough to do this ministry, they're probably not strong enough to do that ministry. If their heart says, Lord, to, to, to love someone this way, I need you so badly. I need you to show me myself so badly that I stay in the right perspective to even be able to love that person that way. The person that is, is ready to, to walk with somebody in confession will need to carry that deep desire and deep awareness that they need Jesus themselves. So what's the alternative? What's the alternative if we just don't take the risk? What is it? Well, if you're if you're if you're stuck in a sin, um, the risk that you're assuming, and it's still a risk, is that in some way you'll be over you'll be able to overcome it. Um, I can't stand here and tell you that through forgiveness, the forgiveness of God, through really growing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, I, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that you can't overcome a sin. But I am standing here to ask you this question. How's it going? If it's working, it's working. But if it's not, there's other means that the Lord can use to bring that healing. What's the risk if we just go, I've got this. It's safest to keep this under wraps where nobody knows about it. Sin brings death. Something's on a timeline. Guys, if if it's um, if it's pornography, um, it's it's going to seep into the relationship that you're in. It's going to affect the desires of your heart, where your mind goes on a regular basis. You're gonna you're gonna keep it quiet and secret, and you're gonna judge others for doing it themselves. If it's gossip, we're gonna we're gonna convince ourselves we're we care for people, but we're gonna become somebody that's not trusted. And nobody really wants to talk to it all. And there's a million other ones. That's the risk. That's the risk. What's the risk if, if you're really seeking the Lord right now? And, and there's somebody, maybe you've noticed something in them. Maybe they haven't quite brought it to you, but you're, you feel like that there may be something you could step into and you could, you could offer some assistance of lifting some of the pressure of that weight, of, of sharing in, in the healing process. Someone may not respond favorably initially. And I would just ask you then, did you seek the Lord that that was the person that you were supposed to go to? Do you feel, do you see evidence that the Lord put that on your heart and brought an awareness to you? And, and, and if, that, if that's it, then again, that's, that's where we have to be content that, Lord, I followed you. And I love them enough to where I can continue and, and serve you and, and maybe have to walk through a season where they don't, they don't look at me favorably. But I would say that this is the kind of risk that we have to take as a church family. And we look at goals for this year. 
within this category of living faithfully in risk. That was, that's, that's our goal five. And then now we're breaking this down over some weeks. Um, is, is this, and, and these are not all continue, the, the, these are, these are going to be different, varied topics. But, but, but on this one that we're on today, my, my question for you would be this. If, if, even if it's not now at this moment, would you be invested enough in your own walk with Jesus and the people that you're connected to to choose to open up and be vulnerable with someone that is spiritually mature over a sin if it meant healing? Because the Bible says that, that, that is the goal, that is the purpose. Would, would you be open for that? And if you're spiritually mature, would, would you take the risk of maybe somebody doesn't respond well at first? Would you take the risk of needing to pursue Jesus with a passion and, and remaining humble so that you could be part of the means of restoration? Would you, would you look at your schedule and not see how full it is, but would you carve and create time for someone? And if you're, if, if you're not in the place to do that for someone, would, would you commit to growing in your walk with Christ and opening up your life to go, Lord, show me myself and, and what could be wrong in here that you could work on, that I could maybe even confess myself to someone for the desire, God, to be used more for you. And, and I, I don't, and I ask that, I don't, I don't mean to be quiet like you're supposed to respond. I'm just saying, with all the problems that a church could go through, I'd rather us be right about that and deal with every other problem in the world. Would you bow your heads for just a second? In a few moments, I'm going to pray. Um, I do have one um, announcement that I'll come up for right at the end, Dale, if you don't mind. Um, but as I pray, I just want to ask you just in meditation over, the Lord, over God's word today, just in, in response to the truth of what he's put out there, um, I don't know if it's quiet today because you're cold or you're thinking and you're praying and you're, you're listening. Or if you're wondering, what does that guy know about what's going on at our house? Well, I can tell you this. It is cold. This is worth thinking about. And I, I, don't, I don't have one single person as a target in mind today. Because the target's big enough on my own head. I have to really consider this for myself along with you. So as we do that, if there's something that you would like to pray over together, I'd like to invite you up during this time that this song's going on, and I'd like for you to know that we'll be available for conversations and prayer after this service ends. If there's conversations that would be better during this week, um, please be committed to not let that drift over time, but let's, let's be accountable to that awareness, and let's have those this week. You may... Ladies, you may look at me and go, I don't know that I'm ready to talk to that guy pastor about what I'm, what I'm thinking about. I, I, I'm, I'm also a, a, a conduit for you to talk to other people that may be more fitting for you to talk to. Um, and, and, and I would love to minister in your life that way and get you connected to somebody that way. Lord, thank you so much for God, your grace and your, your mercy, your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that as you 
do redeem us, God, as, as Jesus is, is working out our salvation to the day of completion. God, that while we are here, we get to really live this together and be witnesses firsthand of the power of Jesus into the lives of his people. So God, if, if, if we, if I or someone else that has heard your word this morning is, is struggling and, and, this, and the sin has become a, a habit and, and there needs to be healing because just jumping back in the game of life is not allowing for healing and, and we're just pushing and pushing and pushing. God, I pray that for the openness and the conviction and the repentance that we would need to have the, 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 the desire and the motivation, God, and boldness trusting you, Lord, that we would take the risk with people to open up. But God, I also pray, Lord, that you would, you would establish people, not in a prideful way, but God, in, a, in just an awareness that they would be present and not seek their own agenda when they have a conversation or just let someone, just, just want someone else to feel what they felt. But God, that, that they, would, they, they would, God, sense you moving in such a great way and they would be so compassionate towards other people that, that the evidence of what you've done in their life would, would be the open door that they extend to others to walk faithfully with them through a struggle as well. God, this week, many of us will carry a day pack of things, and Lord, we will need the strength of Jesus active in our life, and we'll need to seek him and read his word. God, to just do that day after day. But God, for any of us, Lord, if the, if, if the weight of life and the weight of the struggle tips the scale this week, God, I pray, Lord, that anyone that is listening, God, that their heart would hear this, that they wouldn't try to exhaust their strength that's not already, they already know that it's not enough. God, that they wouldn't try to push that any farther. God, that they would simply open their life and ask for the help that is needed to support what is weighing over them. God, thank you for this morning and our, our opportunity to just be here and listen. And God, I thank you, Lord, selfishly for, for a people, a church, God, that we love you so much and we do love each other enough, God, to just hear your word over this and go, God, that we play a part, all of us play a part in this somewhere. God, show us our part in your story. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?